so uh, it's going to be a big day here. Uh, we are going to finish the book of Galatians. This is week 12 in our series through the book of Galatians. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's been good, huh? It's been good. So we're going to finish up Galatians and, um, and talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. And, uh, and, and so I just want to... Um, I just want to start out by kind of repeating and kind of summarizing uh, the book of Galatians for us. And then we're going to dig into the text for today, chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. So the very end, and we, we mentioned last week that there's a pivotal moment here. There's a pivotal thing that happens for Paul where he kind of picks up the pen, and we'll, we'll explain that in just a few moments. But if you, if you go back to uh, chapter 1 of the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, the church that he most likely planted. And, um, and, and uh, he's, he's, he's writing to them because he's heard that there are some people among them causing confusion and chaos for personal gain. And so some people, and so we, 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 we talked about weeks ago how we, it's, it's pretty evident that there's false gospel, there's false truth being taught among the body of Christ because one of the big indicators for that is that there's chaos and confusion, right? When there's chaos and confusion in the church, God is not the author of confusion. And so we know that there's uh, some false teaching, some false things among, and a lot of that was done for personal gain. A lot of that was done for political gain and all those different things in that time, in that season, right? But, but nonetheless, there was chaos and there was confusion. There were people that were leaving their first love. Why? Because of the fear of man. The fear of man. Because they were, they were afraid of the implications that if they didn't do what these false teachers were asking them to do, telling them to do, commanding them to do, right? There wasn't the faith aspect there wasn't faith on the other side that God was going to take care of them that God was going that, that God was who he says he was right and 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 the God that would keep his promises to take care of them in the midst of any trouble that might come if they if they stood firm and so Paul's whole purpose in this letter to the to the church at Galatia is to try to get them to stand firm and he even makes some significant uh, accusations you foolish Galatians right like that would have been a huge no-no to say to a group of people in that time okay you foolish galatians and he does it multiple times throughout this saying what happened right what happened don't forget your story don't forget my story right don't forget the people around you right and so then he calls them to each other he calls them back to salvation he calls them back to each other and then he wraps up his letter today and so one of the things that we talked about last sunday just for review is that if we get the gospel wrong, y'all remember this? The gospel being the good news of Jesus, right? The gospel is a, a word that, that just means simply the good news of Jesus, the thing that we celebrate um, uh, every Sunday here at Summit, not just at Christmas time, but the good news of Jesus, the gospel, right? If we get the gospel wrong, it means two things. The first is that people don't get to enjoy salvation because they're trying to accomplish and they're trying to achieve this, this status, right, that we have created of being a Christian, right, and, and, this, and this right living, right? And so if we get the gospel wrong, then it becomes about works, which then becomes a job and a checklist and a legalist mentality that we have to achieve something before we can be right with God, right? And so people don't get to actually enjoy the salvation that Jesus died for on the cross, 
And we're going to talk a lot more about the, that today. But the second thing, if we get the gospel wrong, God is not glorified. And why does the church exist? To glorify God. If we get the gospel wrong, God is not glorified. See, there's this new term that I'm, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable hearing. I'm even more uncomfortable talking about. But, but there's this term, and I say new, um, I guess it's kind of new to me. I don't know how long it's been around. Um, but have you ever heard of the term celebrity pastor? Celebrity pastor, some of you have heard that term? That's like an oxymoron. It's, it should, that should never be. And for the celebrity pastor, he might as well be an oxymoron, drop the ox. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's bad. That's bad. Right? But there should be no such thing. Right? There should be no such thing as this thing called celebrity pastor. But what you had here in the church of Galatia, just to kind of give you a modern day picture, is you had a bunch of people that were out there for personal gain. Right? They wanted to make their names famous, not the name of Jesus famous. Right? And so they're pushing, right? And they're doing it for their own glory. Right? They're doing it for their own glory. And we've all seen that happen. And even, and even, even some, some great people that started out in the most innocent of ways and then something shifted and something happened, right? Because we all like, you know, we all like, uh, you know, the attention and, and different things like that, right? But it became about them and not about Jesus. And that's a scary place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. I'm thankful. I'm thankful, and I'm not saying this just because I'm here this morning or just because, you know, you're here this morning or is any type of sales pitch for Summit Church. But if Travis Bush was gone tomorrow, Summit Church is probably better off. I'll be honest with you. Folks like, folks like Dan Garish and Jim Carlson and, and Zan, our elder team, and Ian Wallen, when he ever decides to show back up to church. <laughs> right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Ian and Bree's daughter, it's not a laughing matter, but Ian and Bree's daughter tested positive on Friday for COVID, so <clears throat> they're benched for the foreseeable future. Um, but she's doing, she's doing okay, just uh, minor sniffles and all, all those things. Um, so so be, be praying for them. But, uh, but, but I'm going tomorrow, Summit Church is probably better off. Just fine, right? At least just fine, you know? And that's a beautiful thing. You know why? Because Summit Church is not built on Travis Bush. It better not be. It better not be for you, for me, for anybody else, right? We want to lift the name of Jesus up. When we get the gospel wrong, people don't get to enjoy salvation because they've just got to perform. And God's not glorified because we make it about other people and not Jesus. And so we've got to make sure we get the gospel right. And that's what Paul was really pointed on here in the, with the church at Galatia. And that's why we spent so much time. Go back and listen through, okay, listen through the, the, the series. Uh, if, you, if you haven't, if you've missed a couple Sundays, go back and listen through so that you can make sure you get all the full context of this. But let's dive in for today. Galatians chapter 6. Y'all ready to finish this thing? All right. Who's, who is, uh, who's dragging a little bit extra this morning because... Because of what you've been eating for the last three days. Anybody? Okay, see those hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now it starts the big purge right before Christmas. Because we're going to do this all over again in like three weeks. And so, hallelujah. All right, Galatians chapter 6, starting verse 11. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Now, let's pause there for just a moment. Now, I know I, I, did, I, gave, I, gave, I let the cat out of the bag a little bit last week. And that's okay. But I want to address this really quickly because I think it's important. 
Paul uh, had a vision problem. Okay, Paul had a vision problem. It's been, it's, there's been rumored that that's probably the thorn in the flesh that he talks about in the book of Corinthians, okay? But, but, uh, but, but, but there's a couple other opportunities there. But Paul had a vision problem, and so his handwriting was terrible, in the words of Charles Barkley. Okay, terrible, all right? And, and, and so a lot of times when Paul wrote, and again, this is significant. This is significant. Fun fact for you, okay? I nerd out on this stuff, okay? But fun fact for you, this is significant because Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? And he did that most likely through a scribe so that when the church received the letters, when he wrote to Corinth, when he wrote to Galatia, Philippi, Colossae, right? Um, and when he wrote to these places, right, and to these, to these readers, to these listeners, that they'd be able to read it. Right? Uh, when, when, when Kristen and I uh, send out cards, if we ever send out cards, right, and, and when we do those cer certain things, if we want people to actually be able to read what, they're, what we're sending them, Kristen writes it. <laughs> I mean, it's just a reality, it's just a fact, right? She may ask for my input, right, on what to put in there, right, but if we want you to be able to read it, she'll write it, okay? For a few reasons um, um, readability, but also grammar. And things like that, because I'll put y'all, Y apostrophe A L L, the best word in the English dictionary. Okay, I don't even know if it's in the English. Anyway, I digress. Right, but Paul, mo most of his writing was through a scribe, so that it could be readable. Right, so that it could be readable. But here, at the end of the, the book of Galatians, at the end of this letter, Paul picks up the pen. Paul picks up the pen, and it's a big deal. And he says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you, because he wanted to give the final greeting. Now, this means some things, right? It meant that what he was about to write, he really wanted them to grasp, right? It also was showing his care for them, right? That he cared so much about all the things that he's been dictating for this scribe to write down to the church of Galatia. He wanted, he wanted them to know that he cared enough that he was right in the mix of this thing, right? He didn't have some ghost writer writing the, 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 the letter to the Galatian church. He was involved, he was engaged, he cared about them. He wanted them to get his conclusion. That's a big deal. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Significant, verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now again, the big sticking point here, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in just a moment, but just so you're not lost as we're reading through the text, right? The big sticking point here is that if we're ch the church at Galatia, right, what those false teachers were coming in and saying for their own personal gain, right, and for political improvement, political gain, was that this group, the circumcised group, and this group, the non-circumcised group, right, that this group could get heaven that you didn't stand a chance unless you got circumcised, okay? And so what they were doing was replacing uh, uh, Jesus with circumcision, right? So Jesus died, Right? For grace and, 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 and for love so that all may know, right? But now these guys are coming in and saying, yeah, right? But you, you have to add to that, right? That you got to be circumcised. Jesus was not enough. And you know, you've heard this before. We, we, we named the series after this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? And so it's not Jesus plus circumcision equals salvation equals heaven, 
right? And, and so, but that's, what, that's the message that these folks were trying to communicate. And so Paul is writing, he's writing, and he says, it is not those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, excuse me, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised in the flesh, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And so what's happening here is that these false teachers, right, they didn't want to do the work. And so the reason that they're coming in and adding something to Jesus, right, was to make themselves feel better, to make themselves, right, for their personal gain, that they could gain favor with God on your behalf by getting you to become a legalist, Right? That, that, that it would look better for them because they were unwilling to do the work. Right? They were unwilling to do the work. It's like, um, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 14. We're never going to get through if I keep doing that. Okay, verse 14. But far be it from me. Underline verse 14. Highlight it. Star it. Pivotal verse in the book of Galatians. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. What a letter. What a letter. What a conclusion to a letter. Here's the main point of the day. If you want a thesis statement, if you want to write this down, uh, this is powerful. This will look a lot like last week because if you'll remember, we were going to combine the last two messages together. And uh, that just wasn't going to work. That just wasn't going to work. Because as much as we joke about you sticking around for two hours, as much as you all say, oh, that'd be awesome, Pastor. You just keep preaching. You're in the minority, bro. Anyway, um, right? But write this down. When you walk in the power of the gospel, when you walk in the power of the good news of Jesus, the fear of man shrinks and glorifying God grows. When you walk in the power of the gospel, the fear of man shrinks and glorifying God grows. Why? Because when we walk in the power of the gospel, we have a high view of God, right? A high view of God, right? And, 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 and all things begin to, to, to be put into perspective, right? All things begin to be put into perspective. And we, and we realize, we realize how, how, quite frankly, small we really are and how big he really is. How big he really is. Let me tell you something. There is no freedom. There is no freedom like the freedom of living for the glory of God alone. There's just not. There's not. There's not. When you walk in the power of the gospel, the fear of man shrinks and glorifying God grows. So let's let's dig through this passage. I want to make I want to make a few points 
uh, just about the text, and then I've got I've got six application points for you. Okay, six applications for you. Don't 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 panic. Don't panic. A lot of it's review. Okay, but first we look at the motives, right? Paul addresses the motives, and he does so again with his own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. So all they're all they're worried about flesh, right? Outward appearance. Right? They, they're, they're trying to make a good uh, impression in themselves, right? a good showing in the flesh, a good showing of themselves. Right? And so what he's talking about here is the real issue, the real issue that Paul's trying to get addressed to the church at Galatia and for us today is persecution. Okay? That people want to come in and place rules, and he defines that okay, as persecution. That when people try to add something to the gospel and don't keep the purity of the gospel, right, that that is a form of persecution on people. Okay? And saying, and saying that it's not Jesus alone being enough. And so Paul's real point of contention here with the false teachers in Galatia was that they were trying to mess with his people. They were trying to mess with his people, all right? And a good shepherd protects his flock, right? We were talking about spiritual gifts the other night in base camp. And, uh, and, and you know, a lot of people get tripped up when, when they take a spiritual gifts test, and the spiritual gifts test comes back, and they say, shepherd, because they associate shepherd with pastor, and then they associate pastor with preaching. And not many people want to do this, okay? Especially if you get an introvert that takes the spiritual gifts test and they get shepherding they're like no 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 there's no way that's not true right that's not true okay that's not right but one of the one of the most beautiful and and i think important uh um, um traits of the shepherd is protecting the flock protecting the flock right grabbing the staff protecting the flock one of my biggest one of my biggest responsibilities i believe as your shepherd, what lead shepherd here at Summit, our elder team, as other shepherds, right, is to guard the flock, protect the flock. And so we were talking the other night, and uh, and and one of uh, one of one of the ladies in, in base camp, she got the shepherding, uh, she had the shepherding gift, and she's like, I don't really understand that. And I was like, Are you a mama bear? Right, that kind of mama bear mentality, right? That kind of mama bear, mama bear mentality, shepherd. Right? You're guarding, you're protecting the family, right? You're protecting the family of God. Now shepherd, right? And so Paul here is putting his shepherding hat on, his protecting hat on. And he's saying, look, I'm going to protect the church of Galatia. And by doing so, the church of 2021 and beyond and, and, all, and all before us, right? That we've got to be on guard against false teaching. It's a big deal. It's something to protect yourselves, to guard yourselves against. Because the Judaizers, the false teachers, were seeking to avoid persecution over the teaching of the completeness of the cross of Christ. They didn't want to do it themselves. They were trying to compromise the truth of the gospel for their own personal gain. Which leads us to the next point, verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not, them, do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. What a double standard. Right? What a double standard. What a double standard. It's like me, last night, you know, looking at Bria and saying something like, hey, here's the thing. 
if you go cut me a piece of pie, you get to cut yourself a piece of pie. And so win, win, right? And then bring me the piece of pie, right? So that's a little bit of a stretch, but you get the point, right? Right? These advocates of circumcision, Jesus plus circumcision, right? They chastise the Gentile believers for their lack of, 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 of um, for, their, for their lack of adherence, right, to, to, to their legalistic belief that it was Jesus and circumcision. And they, they, chose, they chose only a few certain parts of the law to follow while ignoring others. You like those people, don't you? Right? They chose a few parts of the law to, to abide by while ignoring the rest of the law. Right? I won't get into any examples there, but you get the point. Motivated by complete, excuse me, motivated by political gain, but what Paul is calling for in the, in the book of Galatians, and specifically here, complete surrender. Yeah, mm-hmm. Complete surrender. Total surrender. The Christian life involves complete surrender, and not a buffet-style Christianity that when we look at the scriptures and we say, yeah, I'll, I'll do this, I'll have some of that, right? I'll have some of that, I'll have some of that, but you know what? Uh, I don't want to touch that. Right? I don't, t- don't want to touch that. The Christian life is full, complete surrender, which leads us to verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. What Paul addresses here is the completeness of the cross. That Jesus completed the work of salvation on the cross. Notice, past tense, right? He has won the victory, right? We surrender, right? And so, and so notice the completeness of that, right? The completeness of the cross. When we look at the cross of Christ, right, that's where my sinful nature died. That Jesus died for every sin, right? Every sin of mine. He didn't leave any of them. He didn't leave any of them uh, uh, um, on me, right? He died for my sin. It's where my selfish ambition died, right? Because if I'm going to live for Jesus, I'm not living for Travis. If I'm living for Jesus, I'm not living for Travis, right? I, I lay myself down. For the, cave, for, the, for the sake of Christ, right? And, and wash the feet of the disciples. And so it's where my sinful nature died. It's also where my selfish ambition died. But listen, 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 don't miss this one. It's where my righteousness was purchased. Who declares us righteous? Jesus. Not us. Not each other. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Right? We don't declare each other righteous, right? We affirm, right, in different, in different ways and different things. We talked about that last week. But there's nothing on, for us, our, where our, my righteousness was purchased, there's nothing for us to boast about. Jesus did the work. Jesus paid the debt. Jesus redeemed my soul. And guess what? He did yours as well. For God so loved the world. Who's the world? Pop quiz. Us. I heard one person say it. Snaps for Dan. Okay. <laughs> Right? For, for God so loved the world, all of us, that he gave, gift, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him, trusts him, surrenders their life to him, 
but have eternal life. Jesus paid the debt, redeemed my soul, which leads us to verse 15 and 16. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, right? And so, so what Paul is saying here is, listen, all these false teachers, right, that have been preaching for all these Sundays and teaching these messages, right, that you've got to do this, that it's Jesus plus circumcision, and, and, and that if you're not circumcised, that if you're not circumcised, you don't have a hope for Jesus, right, that, 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 that that's bogus, right? That it's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision that matters. None of that is important. Look at the end of verse 15, but a new creation. What Paul is saying is it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. It's all about the heart. See, listen, listen. God does not look at the outward. God doesn't look at the outward. Can I say, can I say a story? Can I tell you a story about 90s church culture? It's okay. 90s church culture. Um, that was the season of like bleached hair. Okay, when, when guys were getting like frosted, you know, frosted tip. Um, I, did, I didn't want, I tried to bleach my hair one time. It burned so bad. Okay, I promise this is going somewhere important and applicable. Okay, so I went with the sun in. Right, that stuff you just sprayed in and then you went out in the sun and it kind of made your hair lighter. But for hair this dark, I used to have dark hair and now I became a pastor and a lot of it's gray now. But um, a lot of this has just happened over the last 10 and a half years. Um, I think the champos can attest to some of that. Right, but, but, um, but it, was back, it was back then. And, and I remember my brother coming home from church one day and some people in the church, and, and I, I know people don't do this anymore in the church, right? But they had, they had made some comments about his hair, right? That, 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 a, that a good Christian boy shouldn't have hair like that. Well, there was a band back then uh, named the Supertones. Anybody? Yeah. Okay, a few of them. All right, Supertones. They were a Christian ska band, S-K-A, which is like swing and punk Sherilyn, it's okay, I promise I'm gonna get back to the sermon. Don't read over my story here, okay? Uh, but they were a Christian ska band, SKA. It was like punk rock and swing music mixed together with horns, right? And it was awesome. Anyway, talk about a phase, okay. Uh, and, and, and there was a Christian ska band named Supertones, right? And in, on the Supertones first album, on the first song, they had a line. Um, that was all about, like it was all through the book of Galatians, Galatians 6 specifically, boasting in the cross alone, in the cross of Christ alone. And one of the lines in that song was, was to the church saying, uh, saying, we don't care about your hair, can't we all just get along? Right? And so I decided, I, I thought it would be a good idea. I played it for my brother just to try to set him free from the legalism that a few of these people had kind of placed on him about his hair because he was really he was really frustrated and upset about it and kind of distraught about it and, and you know kind of let the fear of people take over <clears throat> excuse me and then I thought it'd be a good idea to go play at a youth group 
the next time so that everybody, youth leaders and adults and all that, could hear, right? And, and all the kids were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But all the adults were like, bad music, <laughs> right? Like supertones, bad, right? Supertones, bad. Clay Cross, Michael W. Smith, great, right? Like, like Point of Grace, for him. Listen to these guys, supertones, bad, right? And it was like, it was like, come on, people, right? But, but get the point, right? For, for, for then, it was hair, right? And nobody could see his heart because of his hair. And how many times do we do that today with other things that aren't hair? We look at job performance. That person can't even show up for work on time, much less be a child of God. <coughs> Marriage history. Relationship history. My favorite. Who they were in high school. Because we're all the same people as we were in high school, right? Right? Or college. Right? And so we hold that over people's heads and say, there's, there's no way. There's no way they can glorify God with their lives. Look at how they run their business. Look at how they were in high school. Look at the person that they were back then. And what we do is we hold these things over each other's heads and saying, there's no way. And, and, and when we do that, hear my heart, hear, hear, hear my heart there. When we do that, when we hold these past things or these, even these current struggles over people's heads, what happens is, what Paul's addressing here is, we can't see the heart. See, what Paul was so frustrated with is that, is that people were buying into the fact that there was a less than group of people in the house of the Lord because they weren't circumcised. And Paul's saying, listen, that doesn't matter. Look at their heart. Do they love Jesus? Do they show up? Right? When they show up five minutes late, everybody does. Have you seen when we start playing to like the second song, it multiplies. <laughs> I closed my eyes during Heart the Herald Angels Sing and thought, oh wow, light Sunday. Open my eyes, whoa! <laughs> Everybody showed up. <laughs> That's not a passive aggressive way to say get here on time. Okay? It's just reality. I'm not slapping anybody's hand, okay? It's just truth, right? And, and when we hold that over people's head, right? We hold that over people's heads. We hold those things over each other's heads. We can't see the heart. And you know what Jesus sees? The heart. You know what Jesus wants you to see? The heart. Amen. The heart. The supertones are okay. You can listen to them. Anyway. And then look at verses 17 and 18. Paul concludes. He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul is setting the tone for vulnerability here. Right From now on, no one's going to cause me trouble. I'm not going to live under the fear of man. Right? But he, he talks about it in Galatians chapter 1. Right? Big issue with legalism, living under the fear of man because of the standards and the status and the people that hold sin over, hold past over, hold experiences over. Right? You can't see the heart. Right? And so what he's saying is no longer troubled. I've been set free. I'm not going to choose the bondage of legalism because Christ set me free and it is for freedom that he has set me free. I'm a child of grace and so I'm going to use my freedom for the glory of the Lord, a living testimony of his righteousness. 
And Paul said, no longer troubled. No longer troubled. I'm not going to live any longer than the in this world. I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to live for God, not man. I'm going to live for God, not man. So, six kind of closing things for you. To live a cross-centered life. Galatians, this is based on verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. A cross-centered life is humble, not prideful. A cross-centered life is humble, not prideful. Now we've talked about it before in this in this series, right? But humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less, right? We've talked about that. Um, uh, we, we, we've defined humility um, here. Uh, a guy by the name of Mike Jordahl gave me this definition years and years ago. Um, but he, he said, an accurate view of myself directly related to a high view of God. Humility starts with a high view of God. And when we see God in his proper place, we talked about this earlier, when we place God in his proper place, we have an accurate view of who we are. Right? In, in, in light of who God is. And so, and so with cross-centered life, if we're going to live our lives for Jesus and for the things of God, it's not prideful. We live our lives in humility. Right? We live our lives in humility. Secondly, a cross-centered life boasts, boasts in the cross, not self. Boasts in the cross, not self. Um, we were sitting around the table Thursday, and Thursday looked a little bit differently for us uh, than, in, than in past years. And we were sitting around the table, and we went around and and, uh, and 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 asked all the all the members of the family before we could eat, which is which is really painful, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you got all the food sitting in front of you, everybody's sitting down, you know, water's poured, all all the different things, it's all warm, and and and, and the mashed potatoes were sitting right there um, in front of me, closest to me, right, and then the turkey, and and, and then all the rest of the vegetables that didn't matter. Um, and 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 we we take the time and we start with the youngest and. And, and, and work our way uh, to me and, and talk about things that we're grateful for, right? And it takes, it takes the kids long because they're trying to figure out what, what, what answer is going to make mommy and daddy super happy so that they can have an extra brownie, right, later on and, 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 and you know, soften our hearts a little bit. And so you're just, you're just sitting there. But it, but it got to me, and usually my kids are the ones to do this. Um, where, where they ask for more because they can't just decide on one thing to be thankful for, right? They ask for more, um, and and uh, and so, um, and 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 so all of them, all of them follow the rules. All five of them, Kristen, all four kids, they all follow the rules. They they just gave one thing, and then it got to me, and I, I couldn't pick one thing. I said, I said, can I do three? Can I do three? The eye rolls I got <laughs> at my Thanksgiving table. You, well, you better hurry, right? And so I said, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful um, that, 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 that God, you know, brought Kristen and I together. Um, September 15th, 2004, I'm thankful that God uh, brought Kristen and I together, that he gave her the grace uh, to say yes, um, to start dating me. Uh, best decision she ever made. Um, <laughs> no, no. 
Thank you. She's not here to defend herself now, but thankful for the grace of Christ in Kristen. I'm thankful for the grace of Christ in my four amazing kids. And, and I looked at them and I said, they're all amazing. Not one is my favorite. I love parts of each of them. Um, and, 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 so, and so, but I'm thankful for the grace of Christ given us four amazing kids. And I said, I'm thankful for the grace of Christ that I get to pastor Summit Church. Those three things are the joys of my life. And I don't deserve any of them. I haven't done anything to earn the right and the privilege to pastor you. To, to be a daddy to Priya, Micah, Ezra, and Vera. The four biggest joys in my life. And to spend every day with Christians. I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve any of it. I haven't done anything to earn it. I flunked out of college like three times. And my mom cried to get me back in and said, just give another chance, show him grace. And then the guy that made the decision to accept me um, ended up being Kristen and I's neighbor in our first house after we were married. And talk about being a thorn in his flesh. Anyway. <laughs> But all of those things that I just mentioned are a miracle. And I tell you the beauty of it, as messed up and as disappointing and as frustrating and as empty as your life feels right now, you have the same things. You have breath in your lungs. You get to come to a place and hear the gospel and sing. You, you get to... You, I mean, you're probably going to get to have a meal after this. Right? Like, like, we all have things that we can boast about, but let's remember the source by which they come from. When we're enjoying them. Right? When we're enjoying them. In the moment. Right? Like, I don't realize that stuff till later. Right? And I've got to go back. But in the moment, say, thank you, Lord, that I get to do this, right? Thank you, Jesus, that I, get to, that I get to, you know, come home to this person. Thank you, Jesus, that I get to have this meal. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice that you paid so that I get to, and you answer. Talk about an attitude of gratitude. Talk about a cross-centered life. Because we didn't earn any of it. Number three. Wow, I'm only on number three. Okay. Treasures Christ, not the world. Right? Look at the second part of verse 14. Has been crucified to me, and I to the world. What Paul's saying there is, I treasure Christ alone. I treasure, I treasure Christ alone, not the things of this world, because they're temporary, they're fleeting. Nothing can can satisfy the void that only Jesus can fulfill. Number four, values spiritual transformation, not external ritual. What Paul's talking about here is the heart. The transformation of the heart. Not walking through the motions of church, not walking through, not, not, not doing that, right? Not the checklist mentality, right? But, but what Paul is saying here is that the cross-centered life values the transformation of the heart, the spiritual transformation of the heart, not external legalism or ritual. Number five, 
walks in truth, not error. It's huge. Look at verse 16 again, one more time. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy upon them. The cross-centered life is hungry for truth. Hungry for truth. One of the best, uh, one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given in, 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 in becoming a pastor was, um, was somebody looking at me one day and saying, Travis, it's okay to say I don't know. But I'll find out. I'll go dig. I'll go dig. Right? It's okay to say I don't know, but then have a hunger for truth. Right? And, 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 and there, were, there were some times, right, where, where, where I fought for what I thought was right and forced things, right? And they, and they weren't truth. And they weren't good, right? And they came back to bite me. And then years later, I had to go back and apologize for things, right? And, 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 and because I wasn't going for truth, I was being stirred by emotion, right? Or being stirred by, 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 by things that satisfied me or made things easier for me. Right? And, and, and all of these things, right? All these, all these pathways, right? Uh, this happened with Tom Turner one time, right? Tom Turner, he, he, want, he didn't want us to lease a copier anymore. He wants to go out and buy a copier. And I thought it was the craziest thing, right? And I knew way more than Tom being like 40 years younger than him. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Not that long. Not, not, that, not that far. Right? And, and so me and the associate pastor at the time, right, we pushed and we voted. And, 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 and then, like, years later, I went to Tom one morning at the gym. And it was like 5.45 in the morning. I'm like, Tom, <coughs> you were right. <coughs> I'm sorry. Right? Because he was right. Right? He was right. And we were wrong. We were, and, so, and, and I know that's something as small as a copier, but how often do we make so many minor things majors because we fight for them, because we want them, or because we think they're going to satisfy us or be the right thing for us? Right? Instead of searching for the truth. Instead of searching for the truth. And then lastly, seeks to please Christ and not man. When you walk in the power of the gospel, the fear of man shrinks and glorifying God grows. When you walk in the power of the gospel, the fear of man shrinks, glorifying God grows. It seeks to please Christ and not man. So my question for you is this. What does it look like to live for Christ alone? What does it look like to boast in the cross only? And granted, I mean, I mean, granted, like, 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 on a scale of one to five, we, we might be at a two right now, and, and a five just seems daunting, right? But how can you go from a two to a three? Like, what, what are some areas of your life that you could turn over and surrender to Jesus right now? Right now. What are some areas of your life where you're striving for, for perfection, you're just not hitting it, and there's just disappointment, frustration, right? And, and this longing, this longing that if this thing would just go away, it would be so much better. What would it look for you? What would it look like for you to live for Jesus only? Can I tell you something? That's where this hope comes from. That we have hope in a Savior if we surrender our lives to Him. If we surrender our lives to Him. If we remember the source. 
It's not Jesus and anything. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Worship team is going to come. We're going to sing a song together. And as we sing, I just challenge you to think of one thing. Think of one area of your life that you would surrender to Him. And if you're sitting here this morning and you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. Dan's right here, Zan's right here, and Jim's right behind him. All, all three of them, right here in a row. Isn't that awesome? They just planned it that way, right? <laughs> These guys would love to talk to you about what a life with Jesus looks like. After the service, grab any one of them. They would love to pray with you. They would love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. But if you're sitting here today and say, you know what, I've never given my life to Jesus, I challenge you. Go talk to one of those guys about what a life with Jesus looks like. But let's surrender to him. What's that one area of your life that you've never given to Jesus? Would you surrender to him today? I pray for you. God, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. For the hope that we have in your son, Jesus. And I pray today for a spirit of surrender as son of church. For all who are here, for all who are going to listen to this later, God, I pray that you would just make that area of our life so prevalent right now that we just need to surrender to you. That we just need to hand over. A financial thing, a business thing, a relationship, a church decision. God, you're in control. And we surrender. In Jesus' name.